Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. You know that access to good health care and good benefit plans, believe it or not, leads to a very healthy and more productive employee. So says the Better Business Bureau. That's what we're talking about today. I'm sure you know this, but all plans are not created equal. When I say plans, I'm talking about Good benefit, health benefit plan. Shannon Dyson is here to discuss four benefits that you may not be aware of when you look at your group benefit plans at work. He will share with us 10 essential health benefits that are required to be in health plans. In the second half of the program, Terry Hurt is here to discuss the power of the purse. Women are more powerful than we think. surprising. I'm not surprised with that. Why should anybody else be? So here we go. Terry Hurt in the second half of the program. From our Did You Know files, Federal Reserve Bank of New York recently published that the average American household, the mortgage debt represents 67% of the total household debt. Combined household debt, mortgages, credit cards, auto loans, as of 12-31-2018 was $13.5 trillion. The aggregate, the aggregate mortgage debt as of 12:31 also was only 9.1 trillion dollars. From a survey by Gallup of a, thou, a little over a thousand adults that they surveyed, they found out in January of this year of 2019, this year 69 percent believe they will be financially better off in 2020. Janu- by 2020 of January 2020. Now here's the deal. This is a result of the fact that you look at something that's been going on for since 1977. But you think about this, 69% believe they'll be financially better off. Well, that's only 2% lower than the record, and the record was set in 1998. So there's a lot of optimism out there. That's pretty good. Here's something that might make a, be a little concerning to you, though. 5,524 brick-and-mortar stores were closed in 2018, 50, almost a little over 5,500, from a record that was set in 2017 of over 8,000 stores. And since January of this year, 2,000, a little over 2,180 stores have closed. So brick and mortar, hmm, not doing so well. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And to find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes and search, course, for Shoemaker Financial and like us on Facebook. Coming up, Shannon Dyson. He is going to talk about four benefits that may not be aware of, you may not be aware of, with your group benefit plans. And Terry Hurt, the power of the purse. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes Store. Just search 
Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Terry Hurt are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. I uh, want to talk to you today about something that, you know, so many times we we try to put together a good plan. We try to use it. We try to know about it. The problem is what I'm talking about is health plans. And the Better Business Bureau is very adamant when it says that access to good health care and good benefit plans, it really does lead to a healthier and more productive employee. And one of the things that we think about is how does that play into the overall risk management of what we try to put together long term for any employer or employee? My guest today is Shannon Dyson with Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. He's the vice president and he is our expert. He does a, He's with us a lot on the show. And, and Shannon, what I appreciate you do is that you do bring an enormous amount of wealth, knowledge and wealth of just understanding the complexity of health benefits and health care. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Well, let's talk about this. One of the things when we when we say that there's there's problems or just understanding really what a person has and so they don't take advantage of it, what do you see in the in the workforce today dealing with that complexity? Because so many people have a health plan and then they end up having to have some kind of a problem before they really begin to dig in into to deal to understand it. And typically, what we see is you've got a, an employer uh, that that will have uh, one meeting each year, and in that one meeting or maybe two meetings, uh, they just dump a lot of information on the employees. So the the group health plan may be one of those things. The retirement plan may be one of those things. Any other things that they're doing throughout the year, as far as wellness. Uh, and they just give the, a lot of information at one time, and it gets overwhelming for an employee. So a lot of times what's lost in the shuffle uh, is what the actual benefits of a, of the plans that they have and why that an employee might want to choose some of the plans that they're offering. I know the the Affordable Care Act came out and said there there's some requirements that plans must offer that are essential health benefits. So we talked about there being 10 of them. Would you go through that so that everybody can get, be on a level playing field, Ten the 10 essential health care benefits that a plan should offer? Yeah, so back in 2010 when the, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, uh, they, one of the problems that was being addressed uh, is that they said that short, there are some short-term medical plans in the market uh, that may not have offered the benefits that they felt necessary for every person to have. Uh, and so what they did is they added 10 benefits that they said, if you have an employer group that is under 50 employees or individual health plans, uh, you're going to have to cover these 10 things. Uh, most of them are things that you would think about, ambulatory, emergency services, hospitalization. Those were the first three that were listed. Uh, maternity and newborn care. Uh, that was added because there were a lot of plans in the market that did not offer maternity coverage. Uh, if you were a 22-year-old male, uh, you may want to buy a plan that did not have maternity coverage. Maybe you could get a better price for that. Well, that was taken away. That opportunity was taken away when they said every plan will mm. cover maternity benefits. Uh, mental health, substance abuse, prescription drugs, uh, rehabilitative and habilitative services, lab services, preventive and wellness for your annual physical and pediatric services. So again, uh, pediatric services, meaning dental and vision for children under the age of 19. Um, had to be included in every single plan. So when you start talking about adding all of these benefits, obviously hospitalization, emergency care, um, those are things that every plan should cover. 
uh, where people were kind of getting confused and maybe the prices started going up is when you included things like uh, pediatric dental and vision on all plans. But, you know, I can see why that's so important, taking care of someone's teeth. And actually having Absolutely. that for a child really does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and the the problem comes when you don't have children, you know, and you're, and you're getting a health plan and you still have to have that as a part of your, of your benefit plan. And that's the issue that a lot of people had with these essentials yeah. that you're talking about. They said, right. well, wait a minute, you know, we were not giving it to them earlier, but now you're making us get it. So that became the push and the pull. And yet people argued over just anything. And overall, I think... Think you look at those essential benefits, it's hard to argue that, that health plans should cover many of these things. It, it should. Right. And so the fact that they're required to do so in most cases was a good thing. Yeah. Let's talk about these benefits that you're talking, that you were mentioning to, to me earlier about that employees may or may not be aware of or they're not taking advantage of. Let's start with number one, this high deductible thought. So uh, many employers today, in order to save money, are offering uh, what's called a high deductible health plan. Um, high deductible health plans are, are what they are. They, they have high deductibles, and typically they do not have um, office visit copays and prescription copays. Um, and so the one thing that I hear when an employer is offering that plan over and over again from employees are, this plan is terrible. I don't, I don't like this plan. It doesn't cover anything. It's too expensive. It's, too, it, it's, too, it's, it's cheaper than the other one, but, but it's still too expensive, and my deductible is high. What, what's going to happen if I go into the hospital? I'm not, I can't afford you know, that deductible. Those are the things that you typically hear. Um, one thing that I would like to point out and that I do point out is that typically when you have a high deductible health plan, um, an employer will also offer a health savings account that is attached to that. Um, a health savings account is basically just a, a checking account that gives tax privileges. And so you can think of it as I'm putting money into a checking account um, and every dollar that I put in is a reduction of my taxable income. And should that's that, all that be it an is. automatic, Shannon? Or should, is that, is, should there not, give me a reason not to do a health savings account. If you have a plan that is compatible with a health savings account, and you'll, you'll know that because it will say it on the, on the plan document, uh, there is no reason that you should not open a health savings account. One of the one of the reasons that I hear is I just I can't I can't put much money into it, so I'm just not going to have one. Um, and and what I would say to that is you can open it for as little as seventy five dollars in some cases, where you can just have the account there, open and ready to go. Uh, and, and basically, what we tell people is that put seventy five dollars in the account, open the account. Um, if something happens to you this year and you go into the hospital or you have to have a test and you have a $1,000 bill, don't just pay the bill outright. Put, put $1,000 into your health savings account and then pay it out of that health savings account. At least you will get the tax advantage of the $1,000 that you're spending. And depending on what tax bracket you're in, that could mean some money for you. That sounds like a tremendous amount of information. If you just tuned in, my guest is Shannon Dyson. He is the Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. And he's talking about risk management. He's talking about the reality around four or five benefits that employees may or may not be aware of, or sometimes they're just not taking advantage of with their group health plan. If you happen to be one of those that has the high deductible plan, what Shanna's saying is take advantage of the health savings account. And there's no denying that, that you have a high deductible, and, and when you go to the doctor, you're paying out of your pocket. Uh, you are getting a discount from the insurance carrier. So if you go into it for a normal visit where it may cost $200 without insurance, it may cost you $100, you're getting the, the discount from the insurance carrier. Uh, and there's no sugarcoating that you're going to pay that out of your pocket. Uh, but... 
the reason that you chose that plan is that you were saving money every month on your paycheck. And so once you make that decision, let's make the most, most of the plan. Um, and if there's an HSA, uh, if it's compatible with that, let's open up a health savings account. All right. H- HSA, health savings account. Okay. Now, when you, I want to make sure that everybody understands. When you say opening, opening a checking account, you know, Shannon, you do this every day. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So I got to go to the bank to open up a savings account. I got to label it as a health savings account. How do I do that? Great question. That that comes up all of the time. Many banks have health savings accounts. They are labeled for you. you. You just say, I need to open up a health savings account. If they have one, they can open it up for you just as easy as you could go in and open up a savings account or a checking account at your local bank. Uh, if the, If your local bank does not have one, uh, there are some online resources that you can use. Um, HSA Bank is one where you can actually go online, sign up, and, and have money put into that account electronically from your checking account into that health savings account. I just like to use the analogy of a checking account uh, because it's not, it's not some kind of uh, mythical thing, a health savings account. It's, it's really easy to open, uh, and it's really easy to use. According to the Better Business Bureau, if you're, a, you're providing health care plans and good group benefit plans, it leads to a healthier and more productive employee. If you don't understand what you've got, you're not accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. Well, one of the other things that, you know, you choose that health savings account or the high deductible plan because it's going to save you money. Um, one thing you do not have to sacrifice in that is your 100% wellness visit. So you still get the physical covered at 100%. So even though you may have a high deductible, um, that annual physical, you don't pay anything for that still. Terry Hurd is also with us. She's a certified financial planner. and She is a planner that works for a lot. She's going to be coming up in the second half. But I want to uh, ask her a question when we're going to get into this long-term disability. And Terry, from your practice and where you're talking with people, do people talk about disability coverage when you're, I mean, is that something that, that is normal for everybody? Or where do they go with when you ask about disability insurance? Well, most people don't even understand it. It's, it's a big mystery. And when they participate in a group benefit and they hear 60% of my income is going to be covered or 70% of my income is going to be covered, they assume that that income is not going to be taxable and that's going to be net to them. Yeah. And so that's the big surprise. I had someone just recently as we were going through this that they, they, they had this issue where it was it was shocking for this very very educated person who really they had a long term disability at work and they were struggling with what the definition they did not know the definition. Do you find that Shannon to be a concern with some people or just not aware that what the definition of disability is at the office or yeah. at work? Many people, many people first don't know that they have the benefit offered to them, the long-term disability uh, benefit. Uh, but the ones that do, the, the question that always comes, well, how do, I, how do I qualify for that? What happens? What, do, what has to happen to me before my disability will pay? How, do, how does it work? Uh, and so that's, that's typically when you go out and, you, and once a year the employer is explaining the benefits that they have, that's typically the one thing that gets lost in the shuffle is we're offering this long-term disability. Um, everybody kind of hears long-term disability, long-term disability. What does that mean? How, does, how do I qualify to use that disability benefit? And what is the actual benefit to me? Should I get that? Is this something that I need? Um, that's something that's typically lost. A lot of people struggle with the fact they think, well, if I'm disabled, it's one less mouth to feed. You don't have to do that. It's not as, it's not as expensive. I'm not there. But we know from a statistical standpoint, more mortgages are foreclosed on 
because of disability. Terry, do you find it to be something that people are sensitive about or they just kind of put it in the back of their mind? Well, I think most people don't really think about it until you bring it to their attention. Mm. And the statistics are astounding. You know, one in four people will become disabled before they retire. So that's one we have to deal with. You have to do the planning when you're working with someone like that. I know the Bureau of Labor Statistics says one-third, only a third of private sector employees took part in group long-term. They just don't do it. Well, the other the other thing to mention, and Terry could probably shed a lot of light on this as well, is that it, it can be um, more difficult to qualify for a long-term disability on an individual basis. And a lot of the employer plans that are offered – they're guarantee issue up to a certain amount. So if you have a health condition that may prevent you from getting a long-term disability policy, take advantage of that employer policy because you can get a certain benefit guarantee issue. You don't have to answer any health questions at all. And that's critical when you're doing some planning. That's critical, Terry, right. from that standpoint, when you're talking to someone yeah. uh, doing that th- same thing. If you just tuned in, my guest today, Shannon Dyson, we're talking about four benefit employees, four benefits employees are not aware of or they're not taking advantage of when we're talking about that. And Terry Hertz also bring in some of that additional information as a certified financial planner and just going through the process of helping us be aware of what we're being provided with at work. Better Business Bureau says healthcare and good benefit plans leads to a healthier and more productive employee. What about retirement plans? I mean, that's something everybody has to talk about, The you know, the 401ks. What are you seeing, Shannon, when you're talking about benefit plans? The the main thing that we see is is people not taking full advantage of the employer match. And so a lot of times you go into a, to a company and the employer may be matching a certain percentage of what the employee will put in, and the employee is not maximizing that percentage. That's free money that's on the table for you from your employer. Uh, they're offering you a retirement plan, a 401k plan. Uh, they're going to match up to a certain amount, and we still have uh, employees that are not putting the levels of, of income that they need to into their retirement plan. Uh, and so just trying to uh, educate and show, okay, you know, you're not taking advantage of this. You're leaving money on the table. But but I, now, wait a minute, guys. I mean, I'm barely making it. I mean, you know, uh I look at my mortgage, my utilities, my groceries, and all those things, and you're talking, and I'm 30 years old or 35, I got two little kids. I'll be honest with you, retirement is not, it's not in my vocabulary. So Terry, how do you help someone get through that process? I mean, that's a, I can understand that. Now, when you get to be 55, you've got to think about it, but the kids are grown. The kids are out of school, gone. They're, they're no longer there. So you can save the money. But what do you do with the 35-year-old that's got that problem? Well, especially with what Shannon is sharing with the employer match, someone yesterday actually shared this with me, my neighbor. She said, the way to look at it is if you saw a dollar on the ground, would you pick it up or would you just walk by and let it go? And when your employer is doing a match, I mean, that's free money. That's to pick it up and don't let it go. Right. I got it. I I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's what we have to start thinking about. And we have to do that. I guess, would you, how would you start? How would you tell us to start then, Shannon? Well, typically what we do is we take a, we take an employee and we'll go through and look at what their uh, deductions are for on their paycheck, for their health plan, for maybe other benefits that they're choosing, uh, and maybe help them to, if they're taking the plan that has a low deductible, 
maybe we need to discuss saving some money out of and maybe taking the higher deductible uh, health plan. That saves some money on the paycheck. What can we do with the money that we saved? Well, we can put that in the retirement plan. And so those are the types of things that we talk through at enrollments with employees just to help them make decisions, especially if you ask an employee, over the last five years, what's your health history been like? Well, I've been pretty healthy. Been to the doctor a couple times for preventive. Well, why are you taking this low deductible and spending an extra $300 a month for it? Let's take, yes, it is a little bit of risk to take a higher deductible plan, but your health history, previous health history says that you're a pretty healthy person. Um, Let's take that money and put it in your retirement or maybe buy some long-term disability. Or maybe half of it. Or half of it. So those are the types of decisions that we help employees make. That's doing that overall workplace, kind of helping them understand. Again, we're talking about benefits that you may not be aware of or you're not taking advantage of. We talked about the health savings account, a checking account that you can get some tax advantages, long-term disability. Just know that it's there. Know really what what is your definition for that, and you should be benefited from that. And then 401k plan, at least, at least get the match. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about workplace financial education planning or advice. Now, that's a benefit that I guarantee you really does have an impact on a person if you take advantage of it. But so many times, you're busy, you go to work, it's got eight hours a day, 40 hours a week or more, and this is something that kind of slides to the back of the table until there's a wake-up call and you got to do something about it. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Shannon Dyson and Terry Hurt, and we're going through this process of some benefits, your health benefits, your employee benefits, your employees may not be taking advantage of, and you're missing out on the opportunity. Coming up, Terry Hurt is going to walk us through something that's no surprise to us. The title is going to be The Power of the Pearl, that women actually are more powerful than we think. Uh, Again, I said, not surprised at all. You don't want to miss that part of the program. But we have covered, there's three things we've talked about. A health savings account. If you have a high deductible, then you may need to set up a health savings account to get some tax dollars, some tax benefits to pay for part of that health benefit plan. Now, that's just simple, easy math. Do it. It should be already checked on your box to go ahead and say you're going to do that. Group long-term disability. Terry talked about that. We talked about the idea behind the reality of that's important. Know the definition, but take advantage of it. Be sure you check the box to say you're going to do that. Shannon walked us through that, said the Bureau of Labor Statistics said one-third of people, you know, private sector employees took part in only only one-third and that's uh, just not doing enough. We need to move that move that dial quite a bit. And then if you've got a retirement plan at work, most of us do, at least contribute enough money to match the 401k. Get enough money to at least, if the employer is contributing, put your money into it so you get the match. 
as as Terry said, if you're walking by and you see a dollar later, you're not going to walk past it. That's free money. And Shannon was very adamant about that. Now, Shannon, the fourth and final thing that you brought to the table today, and you're doing a great job with us walking us through this, Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, workplace financial education planning or advice. Give me what that really means. We have been talking with many employers and, and reading statistics that are, that are out there. You know, Google, you can find all kinds of statistics. Oh, yes, that you can. That Share you it to what you can find. But many employees, and, and this goes back to some of the statistics that you were talking about in your opening monologue, uh, debt is, is rising. And, and people are under financial stress. Many employees at a company can be under financial stress. And it's not long. You don't have to be under that type of financial stress long before it starts seeping into what you doing at work. Um, You may be answering bill collector calls at work or answering emails or things that are going on in your financial life. And so what we talk to employers about is maybe we should bring someone in or bring a a few people in to have a six to eight week course on financial literacy. And and some of the topics that we can discuss are budgeting and helping your employees to know that, hey, we can help you through this budgeting process. And if you're in some sort of financial stress, let us help you try and get out of that by just taking strong financial steps toward that. That's a benefit plan that if your employer offers uh, and you're an employee of that company, you should take advantage of that because there's an insights and things that you get uh, from a, a, a financial professional uh, that you would have to pay for otherwise to get that consultative work. So take advantage of those things if your employee employer is offering you know, them. You mentioned that. I was talking to someone last week in another city, and uh, they were talking about 401k counseling, that they were actually now going through this whole process of helping people understand the retirement planning process. Uh, they were bringing so much more to the table that not just about price of your 401k, you know, everybody shops price and we're all guilty of that. But the reality is, how do you get the most out of the benefits that you're talking about? And that can be through education. Education. And the other piece of that is is advice, benefit advice. And so we talked about that a little bit in the in the last segment. Helping an employee understand, I've, I have a certain amount of money that I'm willing to spend out of my paycheck every month. So having somebody that is in the business, that understands insurance, that understands things that they can give uh, insight into, having them sit beside you and say, this, let's talk about what your, what, your, what your goals are and what you would like to achieve. Let's help you spend that money the best way that you can. That makes a lot of sense. Terry, you were mentioning during the break that when you came out of college and you're that young, you know, just right green type of person, and you had an HR person that kind of gave you some advice. Share that with the audience. Well, uh, she was insistent that before everybody left the room, and mind you, we're 21, 22 years old, we would all be signing up for disability insurance. We kind of took a look around and said, why? We're young and healthy. We're not going to become disabled. So she shared a story about one of our colleagues that had gone skiing and broke a femur and had been out of work for six months with no pay. No pay. Yeah. And it just, so she was literally looking at her new crop of people that she was right. really concerned about, said, right. hey, before you leave, you're going to check the box that you will take the long term. And that may have cost you a little money. Right. But her idea was, I don't want to be not paying you. I want you to get paid if something happens to right. you. I had, a, I had an HR uh, director that we did business with. She was new to the company, and the, the company had a voluntary disability plan. I think there was about 15% participation within the group before she started. Um, two years after she started, there was a 65% participation rate on the long-term disability. So we were just talking, and 
we were having lunch one day, and she said, I, I bring them in, and I show them exactly what it's going to cost, and then I tell them, you can do without this, this, or this for this month. You need this disability more than you need your coffee, you know, and different things. Give up two, give up two lunches a week and bring it from home, and right. you've paid for your long-term you disability. For your long-term yeah. disability. Well, you've, called, you've covered four things that are extremely important, and the Better Business Material says, if you take advantage of these things, this gives you just a more uh, equipped to be a better employee. Health savings account, long-term disability, retirement plan, at least get your match. Match, you know, put enough money to get your match. And then, of course, workplace financial education and planning and just advice. When we come back, Terry Hurt is going to help us understand the thoughts around power of the purse. You're going to find out that women are more powerful than we think. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Having become a victim of its own economic success during the war years, the population boom placed great strains on the city's infrastructure. Despite issuing nearly $15 million in new bonds for school buildings, hospitals, sewers, and transportation improvements, the city struggled to keep up with the progress other southern cities were making. Yet the area in which the city was most behind its peers was not in its infrastructure, but in its political system, dominated for many years by Boss Crump. The defeat of the Crump-backed U.S. Senate candidate John Mitchell in 1948 coupled with Crump's opposition to President Truman's civil rights program, signaled the coming end of the one-party system in Memphis, and the growing strength and political involvement of African-American Memphians seeking to correct the racial inequality in the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. My guest, Terry Hurt and Shannon Dyson, we've been talking about some benefit that employees may not be aware of and maybe not be taking advantage of. But... Now we're going to talk about what really do you think about women and are they powerful, more powerful than we think, and why are they more powerful and what's happening in the women's, with women in the workplace, what is the Department of Labor saying. And the reality is we're going to find out specifically from Terry some issues that women have and still have and some cautious thoughts that they have. We're going to find out why and what we should be doing about it. Terry, welcome to the program again, lady. Thank you. Uh, why? Let's just do this. Women are more powerful than we think. That's my question. Why? Well, if you really look at statistics, uh, women have excelled in comparison to men in the labor force, professional positions, and getting a college education. They're just moving. They're moving. They're, they're just taking advantage of the opportunities given to them, and they're definitely taking advantage of where I think the the opportunities are reaching out and touching more women. Is that you? I know in your practice you definitely see that. Definitely. I think women are on the move. All right. With that in mind, I mean, one statistics that I, I think you saw that that you know, earnings are still lower, though, than overall. It's overall, still... women's earnings are lower than men uh, by about 18 percent. OK, let me ask you this. With that in mind, women are taking advantage. They're on the move. They're doing what they need to do. But 
Why do you believe that women are still more cautious? Because we know that for a fact that more cautious with regard to investing. Why is that? Well, I think they look at the big picture. They're more involved in child care. They're more involved in caring for elders, their, their parents, their grandparents. Uh, and I believe that, you know, they're the main budgeters in the family. So they need to make a dollar stretch. That makes sense. And it just makes them a little more cautious. Do you think that cautiousness really does carry over to their investment mindsets? Do they not delineate to that by normal? And we're talking about the average. We're not talking about there's extremes. We're talking about the bell curve. Do you think that they're just so involved in taking care of family members that they behave just more cautiously because they just don't want to take the risk? Is that is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I think they're less. They, they want to take less, less risk and have more security because they know that they're relied upon. In many different ways. They're usually the role, they have the role of the caregiver. Uh, their investment behavior is just more cautious, no question about it. Does volatility, in your opinion, affect a, a female more than it does a male? You're working with both. Do you see that where the, the swings in the market does seem to stress them out? The reason why I'm asking, I just had yesterday, someone called me and they said, oh, I want to ask you about, and it was because he says, my wife could not sleep last night and wanted to know. And, and again, I understood the question. It was the volatility and what's happening. And I'm thinking, is that was that he wanted to know and he said it was his wife <laughs> or was it really her? And I don't I didn't know. I mean, what's important. But do you see that? Do you see that there's that that difference between the two sexes when it comes to talking about money? Oh, absolutely. In a lot of conversations with clients, married couples, uh, single women, divorced women, uh, that is definitely a, a worry, the volatility in the market. Do they rely more on their spouse? Do you find that happening in your practice where women just simply push that responsibility, let him take care of it? I don't want to get involved. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm taking care of mom or whatever. So let him do that. Is that what's happening? I see that a lot. You know, I'm in a lot of social circles uh, with women, and you can ask them a question about their estate plan. You can ask them a question about whether they work with an advisor, and they have no idea. But, you know, we titled this talk today, The Power of the Purse. Okay, help me why we would do that. I mean, you're sounding like, well, women don't do this. They're a little more cautious. They don't like volatility. They make that responsibility. So why are we titling this? The power of the purse. Well, I think women are a lot more powerful than they think. They don't give themselves enough credit for being able to manage financial matters. And so they don't. Is that because mom didn't? It's probably something learned. Yeah, it's just that reality of that from that standpoint. So considering these statistics mentioned, I mean, it sounds like women need to get more involved in their financial matters. So help me. What would you do? Let's talk about that. Give me some insight into that. This is kind of a... Uh, a champion, you're a champion for that, where you're talking to a lot of ladies, you do a lot of speaking to a lot of ladies, you're involved with that and social and socially. So tell me, I mean, how do you get them more involved in the financial matters? Well, if you look at statistics, women will outlive men by about five years. And so whether they want to get involved now or they're forced to get involved later, they will eventually have to manage their own finances. And so you're saying get started now, start the education, start learning, start asking the questions 
Uh, you kind of talked about literally a matter of confidence. How do you help a person gain confidence when they have not been doing this for long? Well, uh, going back to what Shannon mentioned, some financial literacy, you know, meeting with them, teaching them, kind of locking arms with them and and trying to build the confidence over time that this is something that they can learn, this is something they can know and something they can understand and manage going forward. You know, a lot of times we say that uh, it's not what you don't, it's not what you know, it's what you don't know. And uh, that's really what you're saying. So if women are going to be managing assets, and I agree with you 100%, Give me some steps that a person should be taking about how do they learn? How would you, how would you, somebody walks into your office today and you say, okay, here's some steps you need to take about learning about finances. Well, what we try to do is gather all the data and get it organized so that rather than wondering whether they can find something or wondering whether they know what their net worth is or whether they're going to have enough money for retirement, They don't have to wonder. They know. Uh, And bringing their spouse in to work together or maybe just a a single female uh, and getting them on track. When you talk about getting on track, you talk about women that they do have the ability. There's no question about that. They um, they're they're running the household budget. My wife has run the household budget forever, and she's much, much, much better than, than I am. And in fact, if we have to have something repaired at the house. She is so much more detailed and much, much more uh, confident in managing that than I am. And I I just say, okay, babe, you take care of it. But women, by and large, are not investors. Now, if they're not investors and they don't think about that, by and large, now we're not talking about every, we're not about the, the, again, the bell curve mentality. You're knocking off the two ends, the ones that don't do anything, the ones that definitely do a lot. It's kind of that middle group that says, I'll do a little bit of it. I'm trying to figure out, and you need to help me, because I really feel like that sometimes it's like they have this mindset, well, I can't afford to do it. I might make a mistake. How do you walk a person? That's that confidence thing again, but but help me understand, you're across the table with them, Terry. How do you guide them through that process? Well, it's a big process. It's not something that happens overnight. So, uh, you know, giving them the information they need to build the confidence that they can do it, understanding what an investment is. I mean, sometimes we go to Investment 101, teaching them the difference between a a stock and a bond and the risk associated with each. Mm, That's a critical point. Shannon, a lot of times when you're talking to people about health benefits, you're seeing that discussion lean one way or the other. Do you find it to be stronger when the male is talking or do you find it to be as strong with a female well i mean we need to face it women are smarter than us they just they just are okay we were doing fine <laughs> up, up until that point i was you i know, was i was now, why did you say that i was talking with a it's true but it's true with a health underwriter uh, not too long ago and and he was speaking anecdotally. He didn't have an actual t- statistics to back this up. But he said, if you notice, uh, health insurance premiums are a little more expensive uh, for younger women than younger males, and they're a little bit less expensive uh, in older females and older males. He said, the, he said, the reason is women get things checked out. Men won't go to the doctor. They don't, uh-huh. and, and then later on in life, women are, are taken care of because they caught things early. Men didn't go to the doctor. They didn't get things checked out, and they're paying for that later in life. So... Yes, they, they they get things. Women understand the um, in my experience the importance of when some when the doctor says something is wrong or you're feeling something wrong with your body, get it taken care of now. Don't wait. 
So can we take that mindset and transfer that into the financial realm of the world and say, okay, when you don't know what's going on, are we seeing that trend? Do you see they're taking much more uh, a part of the conversation? Well, I can speak from my experience. So uh, my wife is our budgeter as well. If we should give her a budget, she, she is will, smarter she than will, you, she will stick. I just want to stick with that. So <laughs> your will. wife is smarter than she you. She will stick to the budget. But when it comes to talking about where our money is invested or what we're doing with that money, she just kind of glazes over and doesn't really want to want to talk about that much. And so I think engaging that conversation more, um, just have, having her, just speaking again personally, more engaged and involved in understanding that process would go a long way. It's That's, not like she can't understand it. She can. Yeah. It's just a matter of, of involving. It's maybe that confidence that Terry was talking about. If you just tuned in, my guest, Terry Hurt, Shannon Dyson, we're talking about the power of the purse. Now, the reality is... Ladies, you're going to live longer. You're smarter. Why oh, I hate to say that. <laughs> but it's a fact. It's, true. it's a fact. Well, we're going to find out a little bit more about what it means, about this idea behind the power of the purse. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, women own close to 10 million businesses, according to accounting to for $1.4 trillion in receipts. There are more college educations with women. 70% of mothers with children under age 18 participate in the labor force with over 75% employed full-time. Mothers are primary or sole earners for 40% of households with children under 18 today compared to 11% in 1960. Since 1970, the labor force has quadrupled with women participating in the labor force. More than 40% of women in the labor force have college degrees. That's critical, folks. This is important. My guest is Terry Hurt. We're talking about the power of the purse. Do you know that 27% of chief executives today are women? And education administrators, 65%. This is all from the Department of Labor. They're just giving us information that we're trying to share with you. The bottom line is... How do we face the challenge for women who have gained such a powerful pack as far as moving up in the market force and doing things, and yet they just there's ten percent less for a woman in her retirement funds when she gets to retirement than is for a man by statistics again the Department of Labor simply because she has not put as much in, Terry. What do you tell them? What's what's what is the, some of the things? How do they face the challenge? Well, you know, I have a lot of women come in and and they just say, I don't really understand any of this. I don't. Someone else has handled it. Uh, I've never really addressed it. I save in my 401k plan, maybe. I participate and get the match. What does this mean for me in in retirement? And um, so, you know, educating them, teaching them step by step what they need to do more of, what they need to do better, 
and why they need to do it, I think, impacts them. So there's so there's an education process. To, and so back to what you were saying earlier, Shannon, that's the whole idea that the employer is offering these educational benefit plans, and you're going through this process of maybe getting some advice. So help me with that. That's a great place to start. Uh, if you if you have your if you have an employer that's offering those types of programs, take advantage of them. Go in and ask questions. Uh, learn as much as you can. Uh, it's not a it's not an issue of not being able to understand it. It's just a, an issue of taking advantage of opportunities when they're provided to you, uh, and so you can know. You know, I'm saving for my retirement. How am I saving for my retirement? Am I a, am I an aggressive investor? Am I a timid investor? What, what is my what is my investment strategy? I think is very important for everyone uh, to understand, especially women. So I think that's critical, understanding that part. And sometimes they just haven't done that. Terry, you said literally maybe they learned it from mom. And mom, as we just said, in 1960 was only 11% of the workforce. So you had that problem. So when you say start now and get started, maybe it's just a small amount, but start now. Right. So the biggest weakness I see in my practice is with married women. They are not involved. They're not coming to meetings. They're not learning about their financial picture. And so encouraging and insisting that the couple come in just to make sure that she is aware of their financial position, how to find documents, who to call in the event of an emergency, uh, and that I am to be relied upon as a resource to them. Sort of breaks down that wall. I like what you're saying there. Get involved, meet with the advisor, spend the time, energy. I like the whole idea. You you titled this power of the purse. And so I've got to give everybody the definition, okay? The power of the purse. One individual or organization that controls the funding of another. Get it, Shannon? Boy, I get that very well. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that all too well. (laughs) I do, too. Well, well, you know, it's funny, but once once you get the couple meeting, you have a husband who, I had one that came in the other day, he wanted to buy a fishing boat, and she said no. Unless you can pay cash, there will be no boat. And I'm sitting there saying, where have you been? (laughs) Hey, I got a wife like that. (laughs) Well, typically you have those conversations. You need one person to make you stick to it, right? Right, And and that's that's what we see. One of the most important decisions I ever made was one of the biggest financial things that I was going to do. I was ready to do it. Showed it to Miss Linda, and she said, what are you thinking? I mean, it was so real, so real Uh that she was so far out there, much better equipped to make that decision. I had become emotionally involved, bad to do that. I appreciated her advice so much for that. Guys, thank you so much, Terry. Thank you for helping us do that. Every lady listening, pay attention. Pay attention to what she's saying. Shannon, thank you for giving us those four benefits that employees may not be aware of, just uh, maybe not taking advantage of, whether it was health saving plan, disability long-term, retirement plan benefits, or workplace financial education. And Terry helps us with the financial purse. If you've been listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, my guests, Terry Hurt and Shannon Dyson, if you'd like to talk with them personally, call them at 757-5757. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks for listening and being a part. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on, on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. By the way, we're not the prettiest guys in the world, but we sure do enjoy you being with us. Thank you so much. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money.
Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Terry Hurt are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.